Hey there, friends and family. Thank you so much for joining today's episode of Cast the Word. Our message today is titled, Recovering Your Lost Tool. Friends, thank you so much for joining in on a new episode today. We are back today from quite a bit of a sabbatical. We've taken some time off the podcast, but you know, your love and support has continued to pour in, and for that, we give God the glory. After nine months of a break, I'm beyond encouraged that downloads continue to climb and emails continue to pour in, and comments on each episode continue to show up. You name it. God is just blessing this podcast, and I pray that you have found some encouragement by the Spirit in listening to these episodes. We just believe that this podcast is reaching the world, and I pray that the Holy Spirit blesses you today in the word that the Lord planted on my heart just a few weeks ago. So without further ado, today's episode is titled Recovering Your Lost Tool. And if you want to follow with me, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the New Living Translation, the Bible says, One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. Go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. And in verse 4, so he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. This story in the Bible may be short, but there's a lot packed into those seven verses. In these verses, we read about a group of men who decide to go down to the Jordan River and chop down trees and use those logs to build a bigger meeting place for them to gather. But one of the men loses his axe head in the river, and through a miraculous sign that God performed through the prophet Elisha, we are told a story of recovery and restoration. From a spiritual application, at times during our Christian walk, we too might lose things that need to be recovered. There are times in our lives where we may lose our axe head and without it, our walk with God lacks zeal. It lacks hunger and passion. Without a complete axe, that man is useless in his mission and is now sitting on the sidelines watching others progress. Today, too many of us find ourselves missing our axe head. We may carry the stick with us, but as others are chopping away at the trees in their life, as they are completing the work that God has ordained them to complete, those without their axe head are left stranded on the sidelines. So I want to give you four points today that illustrate what our spiritual axe head represents. And the problem we face is that if we do not prioritize these four points in our Christian walk, then that is how we go from having a complete tool 
versus having an incomplete tool in our spiritual tool belt. So the four points that I want to focus on are relationship, intimacy, faith, and praise and worship. So let's break those down. Number one, if we want our weapon and our tool to be whole, if we want to be effective in our walk with God and in the kingdom, we must first have a relationship with God. That is a requirement. The definition of relationship is the way in which two people are connected. Jesus wants a relationship with you and I today. In John 15, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Jesus said, Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open. The Bible says you'll find the Lord when you search for him with all of your heart. These verses, along with many others, show his desire to have a relationship with us. We should always be putting our relationship with Christ on trial. Am I as close as I should be? Am I as passionate as I should be? These are questions that we should be asking ourselves. Think about it like this. When you first start dating somebody, there's a progression in which you begin to know that person, right? We start to learn basic knowledge at first, like what is that person's favorite food or what are their hobbies? What do they like to do for fun? Then we begin to develop a deeper understanding of who that person is. We find out deeper information about that person, like what is their character like? Who are they as a person behind closed doors? You discover what their integrity is like and how they handle conflict. Listen, you learn these things as you spend time with that person, right? You cannot have a strong relationship with somebody that you don't know. You cannot have a strong relationship with somebody that you don't spend time with. If we don't ever talk to our spouses, then eventually our marriage will start to deteriorate, right? Well, the same is said for our relationship with God. We must build a relationship with him. We must learn who he is and what his character represents. And we do that by spending time with the Lord through his word. Number two intimacy. The best way to show intimacy is just to listen to the words that David wrote in Psalm 63. And I'm going to uh, read it in the Passion Translation. So starting in verse 1, listen to these words that David used towards the Lord. O God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more, with cravings in my heart that can't be described. I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. Daily, I will worship you passionately and with all of my heart. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise. I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. These words by David in Psalm 63 display the intimacy that he had for the Lord. You cannot have pure and true intimacy with somebody that you don't know, right? And without relationship and intimacy with God, we're living our lives with an incomplete tool. Our axe head is missing. So, what is intimacy? Well, if we look back at the words that David used to describe the Lord and to kind of convey his heart through language, 
we read really deep words like lovesick and I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more. I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary. Your tender mercies. Daily, I will worship you passionately. You see that? That is a, those words describe his intimacy for the Lord. Intimacy is really in in a practical sense. It's simply getting away and getting alone with the Lord. Intimacy is going somewhere, shutting the door, turning everything off, turning off your phone, quieting your mind and saying, God, for this moment, it's just me and you. I just want to get alone with you, Lord, and pray to you. We build our relationship by learning his heart through his word, and we build our intimacy through the act of prayer. And when I say praying, please don't misunderstand what I mean here. I'm I'm talking about deep groanings to the Lord. I'm not talking about quick little bless me prayers. I'm not talking about Lord, what can you give me? Not Santa Claus, Christmas Jesus. But I'm talking about just wanting to be in the same presence, in the same room with him, to be in his presence. I worry too often, and I'm speaking for myself here as well, that as Christian people, we seek the Lord's hands more than his face. I don't believe that is a clear reflection of intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy is not, Lord, what can you do for me? And he wants to do everything for you. Listen, if he knows when the sparrow falls, how much more does he know and care about you? Your hairs are, the hairs of your head are numbered the Bible says. He's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He cares deeply for you in all aspects of your life, physically, mentally, spiritually, socially, and financially. That's what I believe. Psalms chapter 3 says, many are they who rise up against me. Many say there's no help for him in God, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Right? Psalms 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes up to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Why am I telling you these scriptures? Because these are scriptures that validate the fact that He's a God who cares, right? So now that we have that quick disclaimer out of the way, that the Lord does care for you, understand that when I'm talking about prayer in the sense of intimacy, the type of prayer I'm talking about is where we just say, Lord, show me your glory. Where we say, I don't care right now about my circumstances, even though even though those circumstances are in the back of my mind. All I care about right now, even though those problems are lingering and they'll still be there tomorrow, right? Unless the Lord delivers them. At my core, I'm saying I don't care about those things right now because right now all I care about is just being alone with you, spending time with you, loving on you and thanking you for everything you've done for me because right now I want to bless you, Lord. That's intimacy. And I know he's going to do more for us because he is faithful, but let me tell you, we must recognize as Christian people that if he does nothing more for us, if he doesn't heal us or deliver us or provide you know, that financial breakthrough or whatever it is we're seeking after, if he does none of those things, we must recognize that he did it all for us on the cross. Amen? The cross was sufficient, but 
Because God is so loving and faithful, He still blesses us. Daily, He loads us with benefits. Amen? And point three is faith. So without faith, we might as well throw the stick in the water along with the axe head because faith is foundational. It's hard to strengthen and sharpen your faith if you don't have a relationship and you don't have intimacy. Now, I say that, but I also understand the fact that at the point of salvation, we do display faith when the Lord convicts us and draws us to Him by simply believing in Christ and the work of the cross and resurrection. Thereby, we are saved, right? But when I'm talking about faith in this sense, once you build a relationship and once you've built some intimacy, then your faith grows exponentially because you learn more about who He is. And as you begin to learn and develop a relationship and develop intimacy, then you can trust that person more. And at the core of faith is trust. We're trusting in the Lord. We have faith in the Lord. Why? Because we trust Him. And we recognize the price He paid when it should have been you and I on that tree instead of Him. Right? Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we want to please God, faith is a requirement. And we all know the story of doubting Thomas, but I got to bring it up here. In case you need a reminder, Thomas was the disciple after Jesus's resurrection that said, I'm not going to believe Jesus rose from the dead unless I see the nail prints in his hand and touch them and see the wound in his side and and touch the wound. Now, listen to Jesus's response to Thomas in John 20, 29. He said, Jesus said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That right there is the reward of our faith. We're blessed people. Blessed are those, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's our reward of faith. And I have faith in that verse and every other verse of promise because he is faithful. I've seen it in my life. People around us might not understand our faith, people we work with or friends or maybe even family, but we know all things are possible to them that believe. I can look back over my life and see all the things God has done for me in my life and what he saved me from and what he's delivered me from, and I can proclaim that he is faithful today, and I know we all can. Our faith in God is what gets us through these tough trials and tribulations that we face in our lives. Your level of faith is what determines how you get through your problems. What do I mean by that? Well, are you going to spend 40 years in the wilderness like the Israelites did, or are you going to spend only 40 days in the wilderness like Jesus did? Your approach to your difficulties determines your outcome, and faith is the compass that guides you through those seasons. Now, yes, our faith may waver, Yes, we may get knocked down from time to time, but we keep getting back up. The point is, you cannot have that strong level of faith in somebody that you don't know. And you cannot have unwavering faith in someone you're not intimate with. Without faith, our armor is simply just not complete. 
And our spiritual acts is not complete either without the confession of faith. My fourth and final point, because we hunger for relationship and intimacy, and because we are a people of faith, that is how we can complete our acts with praise and worship. No spiritual toolkit is complete without praise and worship. The Lord desires our praise and worship. In fact, if you don't believe me, read any of the chapters in the book of Psalms. You cannot read Psalms and come away believing God does not want our praise and worship. Does that mean you cannot worship the Lord truly until you reach the pinnacle of relationship, intimacy, and faith with God? No. But I do promise you this, the more you know him and the more intimate you are with him, the more powerful your praise and worship will be. There have been times in my life where I want to worship, but if I can be real with you, there have also been times where worship was a chore. And that's because there are peaks and valleys in our life. Everything has a season. Sometimes we're on top of the mountain, and sometimes we're in the valley. Now, we learn a lot in the valley season, but the valley can breed complacency if you don't start moving back towards the top of that mountain at some point, right? These are our wilderness seasons where we may be spiritually dry. The question is, how long are you going to sit in it? What are you going to do about that? Like I said earlier, it took the Israelites 40 years to travel what should have been an 11-day journey because of their hearts and their mindset. How long are you going to stay in your wilderness today? Now, God understands our heart. He understands our circumstances. But I personally believe that he also expects us not to sit soak and sour for too long. If you're in a rut today, God is telling you to get up and go. Cling to him and turn up your praise and worship in the meantime. Praise and worship set the atmosphere and the tone for your life, and it sets the atmosphere and the tone for your mental clarity. Along with prayer and reading the word of God, praise and worship is the best medicine for your soul. Now understand that praise and worship are two separate things. In my opinion, praise is kind of more of a foundation level of thanksgiving, a declaration. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, right? It's that thanksgiving is that entry level into praise. And praise starts to evolve where you start boldly declaring. Praise applauds God for what he has done for us in our life and what he did for us on the cross. Praise is, thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Praise is a reflection that I'm not who I used to be because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise is saying, if God is for me, who can be against me? I praise you, Lord, for what you've done, and I worship you for who you are. Worship is more of an acknowledgement of who the Lord is. Now, deep worship requires a certain level of intimacy, where you recognize his position in heaven and acknowledge because he lives, so do I. I believe that you can worship without true intimacy, but the more intimate you get with the Lord, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, the more intimate you get with the Lord, the deeper your worship goes, where you start to recognize more of who you are in Christ because of him and because of who he is and his position in heaven 
because you know he's high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. I'm going to worship him because he's holy. He speaks a word and creates the heavens and the earth. The heavens speak of a creator. Worship represents us bowing before him because of who he is and living our lives humbly before him. Praise and worship complete our weapon, and they complete our axe and our tool for the Lord. Lord, restore our fire today is what I pray. I love this story in 2 Kings because spiritually speaking, I think that there's a lot in there relevant for us in our lives today. The first thing that this man did when he lost his axe head was to acknowledge that his ha- his axe head was gone, right? And when God performed the miracle through the prophet and caused the axe head to float back to the surface, in verse 7, we read that the man reached out and grabbed it. Today, you might feel like your relationship or your intimacy or your faith or your praise and worship is not as strong as it used to be. It's not where it should be. The first thing you must do is acknowledge that that part of you is incomplete and then ask God to restore it. And I believe he will today. But once he does, you've got to reach out and receive it. Amen. Family, thank you so much for listening today. I apologize for such a long gap. I pray that this episode blesses you and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Stay strong in the faith.